Hello, dear listener. This is The Optimist in Revolt. bring people in on on the podcast each week, and I like to think of them as all my brothers and sisters in Christ, but here we are in more of a literal situation. Um, My guest this week is my brother-in-law, Chris Meyer, uh, and it's an interesting thing. A little peek behind the curtain is uh, that I have mixed feelings about having family members on the podcast. On one hand, it's like, is that weird to just have your family on? But then I think about it, and I realize that I am blessed enough to have a very interesting family who has very interesting things to say. And Chris is one of those people, I think, um, who is one of the wisest people that I know. And background-wise, Chris is a little bit younger than I am, but he, when I started dating his sister, and then he, who I eventually married, that'd be weird if I, <laughs> if this was, um, it was like, okay, he's younger than me, but Chris is like six foot three with a giant beard and c- clearly the smartest person in most rooms. Um, and like really good at soccer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Soccer's not a real sport. It is, but Whoa. it's fine. I know. All right. I should uh, see. Um, obviously, I've gotten more comfortable with Chris as the years <laughs> have gone on. Um, but anyway, so I just think that Chris is a really interesting person. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of uh, discuss some things that maybe we take for granted because we kind of come into things looking at them the same way on the mm-hmm. same page. And to kind of get uh, more pointed questions headed your way. So Chris, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Um, also, I should mention, this is the first in-person episode that we've done. So yes, indeed. Because we don't care about the law or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're family. so We're family, so it's yeah. Close it's close enough. Yeah. And also, I think the Supreme Court said something about how churches, so... Yeah, 25% we're, capacity yeah, in the I house, think we're so. at 25% capacity yeah. of this room. <laughs> I think you couldn't fit four more people in here. Maybe. Not comfortably. Um, anyway, so I'm very glad to have you on. Um, it's an just, honor to be here. Well, it's just good to just chat. And also, I know you listen to the show, which I very much appreciate. Uh, you know, you're one of the 12 listeners to the show. So <laughs> shout out to the other 11 as well. Yes, um, indeed. They cannot all come on the show. That is, I'm not saying if you listen, you can come on. I'm saying that in this one specific <laughs> circumstance, you can come on. Uh, so let's just get into it, Chris. How did you become a Christian? All righty. Well, I was... I guess you could say born in the church. My dad was a youth pastor um, at the time I was born. Um, so I was very much a PK, um, the pastor's kid for those who aren't in the lingo. Um, best friend when I was younger was um, the daughter of the senior pastor. One year older, we would get all those sorts of hijinks growing up. Um, so it always just been kind of part of my life. Um, and then when I was about... Nine or ten. Um, I just remember laying in bed one night and thinking, you know, is this faith my own or do I just take it for granted that I go to church and I know these things, but have I really accepted it? Um, so I just got up, went out to my dad and said, how do I know for sure? Like, how do I do this? What does that mean? Um, and so he led me through that. And then a few months later, he was the one who actually baptized me. Um, and that's how I got started on my journey. Yeah, I think it's interesting, like, you know, you know about me and mm-hmm. people who listen know about me that I was also similarly raised in, a, you know, like a Christian home and yeah. a church and stuff. And that idea of your faith becoming your own is such a, a such a, it's a weird concept, right? Because it it's is. like, what does that mean? And yeah. <laughs> at what point is your faith really your own? Because 
a nine or 10. It kind of is, right? But it's still, you know, you kind of need a mitigator to kind of like guide you through all that kind of thing. And I think about, you know, what my quote unquote decision looks like, um, my Calvinism showing, uh, <laughs> but just like that when I was really young. So as I grew up in the, um, in the church of Christ, mm-hmm. it's like, if you want to take, I knew I wanted to take communion. I knew that was the thing that oh, I wanted to do because I like grape juice. And that's <laughs> legitimately what I said to my parents. Like, I want to be baptized so I can take huh. communion. So, cause I like grape juice. And they're like, well, that's not really what it's about. And I think I was probably six when I said that. Hmm. But that sends you thinking, oh, that's not what it's about. So what is this about? Oh, sure. And so like, I think that what happens is you start to kind of think about this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're going to church and you're kind of getting these like subtle input, Mm -hmm. uh, this subtle input. And then it's like, okay, well now I'm nine or 10, right? That's the age where you kind of start thinking about decisions anyway, Mm -hmm. right? When you're six, seven, you're just kind of like... I, I don't know which kind of, like, I know which kind of fruit snacks I like, right? <laughs> but when you're nine or 10, it's like, oh man, uh, okay. I'm starting to actually think about the world and do things make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of going back to that. I, I remember very vividly for some reason, there was a VBS. Um, I think I was, yeah, seven, maybe eight at them. No, it was probably seven. Um, they did a VBS for the week and then they go through the prayer at the end, if you want to. And then right. they said, if you haven't said this prayer before, come with us. I'm like, well, I haven't said that prayer before, so I'm going to go with them. So they go in the room and you just accepted Jesus. Now, remember being old enough to understand like, wait, no, like... Like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't, but <laughs> I didn't really know what it meant to do that. So that's why it took a couple more. I think that's kind of what sparked that conversation. Yeah. What does it really look like? And what does it mean to be a Christian, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're younger than that, you'd say, I'm a Christian, but yeah. you're just kind of a oh, Christian exactly. by default, mm-hmm. right? It's because my parents are Christians and it's the same way that I'm a Californian or, <laughs> or an American or, you know, <laughs> any of those things that you just are yep. versus making a choice to do it. You right? almost think everybody is because that's your world. 100% because I have, I mean, we have different schooling experiences, right? Because mm-hmm. you were mostly private school, well, private school early on and then mm-hmm. mostly homeschooled, right? Correct. And I was in public school, so I have a me- very vivid memory of being in kindergarten in a kindergarten art class and saying to the teacher, who came first, Adam and Eve or the dinosaurs in a public school? Hmm. And the teacher looked at me and said, not everyone believes in Adam and Eve, like with that tone of voice. Ooh. And that was like a defining moment for me realizing mm. that not everyone's a Christian. Yeah. And and I think that kids do that a lot, right? It's, well, everyone kind of has the same experience as me. We generalize out like, oh, most people have a mom and dad and live in this, in, mm-hmm. live in certain kind of ways. And it's like, <laughs> the more you grow up and experience different people, you're like, oh man, oh, <laughs> interesting. And people live very different lives than, than, uh, than we do. Yeah, you realize how blessed. Yes. Yeah. And that at some point, that blessing becomes your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know what's right, right? And Romans kind of speaks to this (laughs) that like everybody knows, right? We're without excuse, right? And so even from from a young child's age, like I see a lot of memes on the internet that are like, babies are all atheists until we indoctrinate them or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, no, no, they're not. Babies don't look at things and say, well, certainly what makes the most sense is that we've evolved from <laughs> in this such a way. No, babies look at the world, as we kind of all do, with a certain amount of wonder. It's awesome. That it's like, oh, dang, God, that's really cool. <laughs> I think about that with coffee. You don't drink coffee. I love coffee, as we know. And uh, and it's like, oh, the coffee bean. Like, I, what an amazing thing we've done as hmm. humans to grind that up and drink it, and now I'm awake and, <laughs> and a human being. But God made the bean. Mm-hmm. Knowing we would do that with the bean, huh. it's like, 
whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and how many things like that are there that we kind of take throughout the day, oh, yeah. right? You know, that we <laughs> that we basically put dinosaurs in our cars and can go long distances. <laughs> right? That's insane. Right? <laughs> but it's like, dang, thanks, God. That's huh. pretty cool. Yep. So, um, yeah. Uh, what song is best? Um, I know your answer. Yes. Is Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I was supposed to do my research before I came on, and I did not. That's okay. I know what it is. Um, it is a variation on the theme by Paganini. Okay. Uh, by Rachmaninoff. Sure. Um, I, I should have gotten the number It's for fine. You. It's fine. The number is... Uh, you've said enough. Okay. <laughs> for most people have already tuned out. I'm totally into this. Because <laughs> um, Paganini's cool. Mm-hmm. Rachmaninoff is insane oh, I love and i should mention chris is like a great piano player so he lives in that kind of classical piano world yes. um and so it makes sense and man Rachmaninoff. it starts with just piano and then the orchestra builds in and then the theme comes in very strong again on piano and then it kind of ends quieter on the piano it's probably like a three minute song at the most i've always been fascinated by things that are piano and orchestra mm-hmm. because the piano is such a strong instrument yeah. that it can hold its own against mm-hmm. an orchestra right sometimes you hear like a piece for solo violin and orchestra. And it's nice, but you know that orchestra can't hear the solo violin <laughs> while they're playing. Yep. But piano is just like, especially with Rachmaninoff, because typically it's like heavy metal of <laughs> piano bombastic, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all big. There's a, I think I've shown it to you before, but um, the Rachmaninoff has big hands thing oh. where the guy can't reach <laughs> all the keys for, the, for all the gigantic chords. Yeah, classical music's a funny thing because I think it's, I relate it a lot, actually, to amateur wrestling, because I was a wrestler in high school, and Hmm. um, I love watching amateur wrestling. But if you don't do amateur wrestling, you don't have any desire to watch it. And I feel like classical music can be the same Mm -hmm. way. There's lots of people who just enjoy it. We call them old people. (laughs) But young people who, like you and I, played classical music can Mm -hmm. get really into it. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm slowly turning my turning my wife around. Yeah, with the classical music. I think there are entry points, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with so much great mu- movie music. Yes. That kind of like you can say, okay, here's John Williams, right? Yes. And then you can say, okay, now here's kind of where John Williams is quite frankly stealing from, but um, you know, and you can kind of ease into mm-hmm. classical music that way. And you, and if you know classical music, you know what pieces to like would grab you. Yes. You don't want to start with Philip Glass or no, something. because Philip Glass is garbage. That's not music. <laughs> Um, you can at me, people on the internet. I don't, I don't know. Um, what person who you don't, who you've never met, and it was outside of the Bible, has had the biggest impact on your spiritual life? Gotcha. Um, I would probably say C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Um, read them quite a few times. We got the Focus on the Family, radio theater, sure. theatrical edition, the movies. Um. I just remember, I don't know, I think the part that sticks out to me, just from some of the books, certain aspects of how he lets you look at Christianity and mm-hmm. relationship with God, um, was just really special to me. And then growing up, um, reading some of his nonfiction works, um, and just the way he presents ideas, um, just the way he thinks, very tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, just we are, Yeah blessed to have him in our past and to be um, able to, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but um, have him contribute 
to yes. Christianity today. Yeah, it's nice that he's on our team. Yes, exactly. Right? Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I was thinking about C.S. Lewis today because I, I had a feeling that that might be <laughs> uh, what you would say. And it, there's been a few people who've come on and said, yeah, C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's kind of cliche. It's what they've said. I'm not saying that. Oh, gotcha. Well, um, yeah. But I think at some point, something goes beyond cliche to the mm-hmm. point where it's more of a truism, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, if C.S. Lewis didn't influence your Christianity, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I heard a talk from somebody... Um, kind of a reformed guy talking about like <laughs> how is it how does the reformed community relate to C.S. Lewis right as an mm-hmm. Anglican right mm-hmm. and he but he was kind of making the point at the beginning he's like I'm not saying that he was a Calvinist right he's not a five pointer but <laughs> his point was like every like piece of the Christian tradition wants a piece of Lewis that's like, true everybody wants him because mm-hmm. he was so profound and clear. And that's, yes. that's the thing is that, like you say, he was very tongue in cheek, clever, <laughs> right? He was being clever and he was writing beautifully, Oh man! but he was also being very clear in his nonfiction stuff. It can get kind of heady, Yes. but if you just kind of break it down, it's like, he's making very simple points with yeah. this and yeah. profound points that how many times you encounter when you're reading Lewis, like, oh yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I should have thought of that, but I didn't. Yes, yeah. Lewis did, yep. you know? And yeah, we, we definitely are blessed to have him both from fiction and nonfiction, mm-hmm. Um, I, I love his essays and, and I think that I was thinking the other day that we all, especially with the political climate and all that stuff that we won't get into unless you want to, um, like read the screw tape letters right now, everybody Mm. in America, please read that right now and read about how important it was to those demons to distract us and to divide us and and to keep us not focused on anything things. Yep. Right. Yeah. Any focus on anything but God yep. right now and they're happy, right? They don't need you to focus on one thing. They need you to focus on anything except for one Correct. thing. Um so that, you know, that I I always go back to that as far as like when people are at each other's throats I'm like what are we doing here? <laughs> Let's relax a little bit. Yeah. Man. Yeah, just thinking of um yeah, the you know, man, I can't think of the saying again. Satan wins if he keeps you busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're both here in the Silicon Valley and even though we're shut down, there's still just that attitude. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. Fill up your schedule. Mm -hmm. Don't waste time. Learn another job. Learn this. Learn that. Meet these people. Go here. Experience this. Um, And God needs you to rest. Yeah. I mean, that's like day one stuff. God's like rest. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. It's... we. have this attitude of if you don't have something on the calendar, you're wasting mm-hmm. time, right? And like John Piper says, don't waste your life. That doesn't mean do something all the time, <laughs> right? And well, maybe it does in that doing so- resting is doing something. That's true. You know, like I'm choosing to take this time exactly. to rest, right? And I think that's one of the differences between sloth and rest, mm-hmm. right? Sloth is just like, I'm at rest, so I'm going to stay at rest, <laughs> right? Resting in the way that, that the Bible describes it is like, take some time, you know, and, and God knows that we need that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot. God didn't need to rest on the seventh day. That's not something he needed True. to do. Right. But clearly rest is important or he wouldn't have done it in order <laughs> to say, look, I rested. So you should rest yeah. too. Right. Yeah. And if, if the creator of the universe is choosing to rest, we probably mm-hmm. ought to also choose to rest. Yeah. Make it intentional. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the most important part is that whatever you do, be intentional about it. Yes. But that doesn't mean you fill up the, like you said, fill up the calendar as much as you possibly can. Yep. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the church today? 
today, um, I really think about being comfortable um, and not wanting to, I don't know, I always go back and forth with uh, how seeker-friendly churches are. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we need to get people in, but we also need to make disciples. Yes. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, making disciples just for some churches doesn't seem to be the main well, yeah, there's a difference between introducing the gospel, which is obviously necessary, mm-hmm. and making a disciple. Correct. And I think, I think, let me, let me throw something at you. Okay. Uh, that, it's this idea I've been playing around with in my head, and I don't, people are involved with it, so it's going to inherently have some problems. <laughs> I understand that. So I'm talking like utopian church building. Okay. 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 What if you had a church that had like two components, like two, maybe two services, maybe two campuses, but it's one church. Okay. Okay. One is like the seeker-friendly service, and one is the we're going to get into this stuff mm. kind of service. Again, I think that people would get too comfortable in the seeker-friendly service and never want to leave. And there would also be a thing where it's like if you want to go to the more in-depth service mm-hmm. and the governing body was like, well, you're not quite ready, that would be awful too, right? So oh, yeah. again, I'm saying this is not actually a good idea. But where in the seeker-friendly service, you t- you do – uh, a series on the beginning of Genesis, you do a little bit of Exodus, okay. and you do the book of Luke. And you do that on a loop over and over and over again. Huh. Because that gives you kind of creation, fall, redemption, God's choosing a people, Jesus comes to fulfill the promises, okay. right? Okay. And you just keep doing that, right? That's creation, fall, redemption <laughs> over and over again. And then to get into like the nitty gritty, right? Because I think that especially for people like you and I who grow up in a church, Mm -hmm. if you're going to a church and you're just hearing Jesus loved you and died for your sins, which is demonstrably true, right? That is, that is the gospel. Oh yeah. But if you just keep hearing that over and over again, how are we growing? Right. Mm -hmm. And how are we getting our questions answered? Well, we have to go on the internet and Google them and figure (laughs) it out. Right. Or buy a book where it's like, wouldn't it be great if the pastor of a church who is supposed to be an expert on this Mm -hmm. stuff could answer some questions like that for you in a clear way that is an important thing to when you go out into the world because we're not all pastors Mm -hmm. and we have to go to our jobs. And so when we get asked a hard question, right, this is kind of an an argument for apologetics from the pulpit, but I think it's important too. Oh, no, I like it. Um, You have to be able to answer these questions. And there's a lot of hard questions. And I don't like the idea of people going out in the world and the first time they get asked a hard question about Christianity is by a non-believer. I think that that is super hard. And so like, why can't we (laughs) buckle down a little bit? And why can't we talk to... Adults like they're adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broach some hard subjects. Get, uh, yeah, stir things up a little bit. Um, talk about the things that, yeah, in a safe place where you can mm-hmm. get some of those questions answered, learn how to find the answers. Um, I remember the church I grew up in, um, there was like a, a Sunday school hour and then there was mm-hmm. the the service hour. Yeah. And I really missed that. Um because I never got to go to like to the adult Sunday school mm-hmm. class. But that's when my parents would go, and they just went through like First and Second Corinthians for four years. Yeah, the church that I grew up in was kind of the same. Way. Yeah, yeah. And I was, Are you talking about the church you went to when you were really little, or a little um, older, like in Oregon was, or after? This was in First Church in San Jose. Okay. So between okay. like six and uh, ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was like looking forward to like, all yeah. right, like when I get older, right. like I mean, I can you know dig into yeah, it and really get into it. Yeah, learn how to do some good exegesis and yes. Yeah, it's it's so hard because it's like you want to be able to um, reach people mm-hmm. who haven't heard the gospel, but you want to be able to like 
continue to reach people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, I get it. I actually heard a sermon I was watching online where a guy, uh, a preacher in Arizona who said, just so everyone knows, if you're visiting with us, I'm glad you're here. And I hope that God uses this sermon to speak to you, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to Christians. Wow. And I was like, that's a gutsy move. Yeah. And we don't want to do that, but I, th- I think it's important to have those kind of conversations, mm-hmm. right? When Paul writes his letters, he's writing to the church. Yeah. So I think you're right that like the seeker friendly, like, and it's so hard because also I think we have a tendency, people who've been Christians for a long time mm-hmm. to like use seeker friendly almost as a pejorative, Yeah. right? Like, Ugh, yeah. oh, that's a yeah. really seeker friendly <laughs> church. And there's a place for seeker friendly yes. stuff. And but it, I think it is hard when when you feel like they're talking to the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. not an in intelligence necessarily, but almost like they're talking to people like they're unintelligent. Like you haven't spent years studying mm-hmm. in church, so you are not going to get this. Where people can understand words. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, we'll move on from this in a second. But I just it just got me thinking again. Yeah. Um, there's this uh, guy James White who is like a Calvinist uh, academic, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay. And, I find it to be a, just a touch off-putting, but he's really, really like he's he's super smart. Gotcha. And he does a lot of work with on Bible translation. He wrote a book in the '90s about the King James only controversy and, oh, wow. and like that kind of thing. So he really understands Greek and okay. and that kind of thing and and uh, Aramaic and Hebrew. But he was just talking about how when we translate the Bible, when we use some of these easier translations, mm-hmm. which I think there's a place for the NIV, and mm-hmm. I even think there's probably a place for the New Living, maybe. Um, <laughs> Such a translation not. <laughs> but but he his point is when the Bible was written, like when in the New Testament it's written by different authors, mm-hmm. many of the books, and they're not all writing at the same level. So oh. when you take the books and translate them all to the same reading Interesting. level, you're making some more academic than they were, huh. and you're dumbing down a lot of the other ones, I right? I never thought about it that like way. Like Paul was a genius, yeah. right? And, and Peter was a, was a fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably not writing the same way. Now, it's all inspired, right? So, but that doesn't mean that, like, the language used the is all the same. The personality and, yeah. comes out. And so it's like, why would we do that? Why huh. would we make it all a third grade reading level? If some of it's at an eighth grade reading level and some of it's at a college reading level, yeah. translate them that way and hmm. let people figure it out. And then make, like, kids' Bibles for kids. Yeah. And then let adults read at adult levels. It's It's an interesting thing. And... I'll, again, I'll get off this in a second, but I was, uh, I was talking to, I was, I will say I was talking to my wife. I was talking to your sister, <laughs> um, just about how I remember being kind of frustrated in high school. And I don't think I like had a concrete frustration, but looking okay. back, it's like, I'm in AP English classes in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the smartest dude in the world, but I can, I can read and I can oh, yeah. analyze literature. I'm reading super high level stuff and I'm going to, but then I'm going to church on Sunday and it's like. Wow, imagine how much God loves you. And here it's like imagine you're surfing and it's just like I don't Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing like I'm having my brain stretched in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And in college, it's like college age people, that's the smartest you'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most elastic your brain will ever you're, be. Oh yeah. You're all you're doing is thinking all yep. the time. And then if you go to church and it's just like imagine how much God loves you. It's like, number one, I can't. Okay. If we're being honest, you can't imagine how much God loves you. (laughs) And second of all, no, give me something. Give me something. Give me the meat. Right. It's all three points that all start with E. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Today we're doing, uh, (laughs) I saw a thing the other day after all the wall street bet stuff went down. Mm. Um, and it's like youth pastors this Sunday. Hey kids, you want to know who else crashed a market? It's like, (laughs) it's like, but that's what it is. Right. And it's like, not like, 
it doesn't treat people with the seriousness. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we all need to sit silently and never have a conversation, but it does mean this is serious stuff. Yep. It's, it's really important. And if it's really important, it's probably not super simple. Mm -hmm. There's like, I said, I would say the gospel itself, pretty simple. Jesus died for your sins. Okay. But you know, where was he when he was on earth? Was he also omnipresent when he was on earth? (laughs) Have you ever heard that talked about in church? No, (laughs) because it's complicated (laughs) and people don't like complicated. Uh, what do you put on your hot dogs? Alrighty. Um, nice and quick, usually just ketchup. Okay. But if I've got some time, um, I think my wife first introduced me to this when we were dating. Um, you use some grated cheese, you chop up some onions, mm-hmm. you chop up some tomatoes, just nice, some fresh produce on there. Okay. I remember having that for the first, I was a little skeptical. Sure. And I had it, I'm like, oh wow, there's a lot of good flavors at all. Yeah. We're together here, so. Well, I will say, within your family, you're the only person in there that likes fa- flavor. <laughs> I think that's the case. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, yeah, your mom does, that's yeah. true. But <laughs> it's just so funny, because I'm such the a picky stark eater. contrast. Is, right, yeah. I am so picky. <laughs> But and so I've kind of have felt self conscious about that throughout my life when uh, like encountering people who I need their respect or whatever hmm. like oh like he has to order it plain <laughs> be an adult eat the onion only right? cheese on your pizza right that kind of yeah. thing yeah <laughs> I like other kinds of pizza but um and but I remember the relief I felt when your dad was a pickier eater than I was mm. like wow There's I seem like an adventurous eater <laughs> compared to, to him so um, and my sister isn't. Uh... No, I mean, she's, uh, yeah, I cook hot dogs here and I put mustard on mine because I'm a good American (laughs) and she wants nothing on the hot dog. I don't understand. I need that lubrication layer. I'm the same way with sandwiches. I need some sort of condiment on there because just bread, meat, and cheese, that's too dry for me. Very dry. Yeah. Yeah. But ketchup, as I've said before on the program, it's not the most respectable uh, condiment, but- it's also kind of respectable because you're doing something like okay. you're saying, I don't need your approval. I'm going to put ketchup on my, <laughs> exactly. on my hot dog. I like it. So there you go. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. I mean, the best hot dog is the one that you like, just as the best Bible translation is the one that you'll read. <laughs> um, the best hot dog is the one that you like. And I, and I think ketchup is fine. It's just too sweet for me as an adult. Once I decided oh, not to put ketchup gotcha. on it anymore, huh. I was out. But onions are good. I like onions. Um, I like them on my burgers a lot. I don't have them very often on the hot dogs. I'm, I, you've reminded okay. me I should do that. There you go. I've never put tomato on a hot dog, though. It was good. The cheese. Like all three together. Yeah, because then it becomes not so much onion, cheese, and tomato. It becomes one thing. Exactly. It congeals. There you go. I think that's the science word for it. <laughs> um, what do you think is the best argument against Christianity, and why are you not convinced by it? Oh, man. I realized today that that's actually two questions. I kept the I I'll ask the same seven questions of each guest, but that's really two questions. It's like an A and a B. I Maybe guess. it's an A and a B. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know, like the the popular answer is um, problem of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it's more the kind of personal. I would say because um, it really gets into like you know when you actually get into atheists and why they don't mm-hmm. believe it's a something that happened to them personally. Yes. Okay. So sure. it's hard to have like the overarching mm-hmm. answer because each person you talk to mm-hmm. has a little bit different experience. Yeah. I. Yes. And so trying to, oh yeah, I've always got this answer to tell people like it forces you to actually um, understand what they're going through mm-hmm. and then understand God's nature and what he's done and how he works in the world and how that can apply um, to their situation and how to best relate what they're going through um, 
into how much God loves them and God is in control. And um, so I guess for me, I don't know if that really answers the question. No, I think it does from the standpoint of, I think what you're talking about is kind of anecdotal reasons for not believing in God, right? Correct. This thing happened to me or I I read this story about this thing happening and I can't believe that a loving God would allow someone to do that, right? And that's almost an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And to, but I like what you're saying about like how to approach that and understand where they're coming from, right? Mm -hmm. Because (laughs) my nature as a, my personality is to say, well, if you want God to punish evil all the time, you'd already be dead. (laughs) So, right? Like that. And you know, think about how bad you are for a second. Like like, it's the, uh, um, hooray comfort version of, uh, (laughs) of apologetics. Like you're messed up. You need a savior, which is true. But I think, I think that, I think empathy is a really dangerous thing, but I think in this circumstance to kind of, I think maybe sympathy is very helpful in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, um, cause I once heard someone describe empathy is someone's drowning in the river and you jump in with them where sympathy is you keep one foot on the edge of the riverbank so you can pull them out. Interesting. Um, but I think being able to relate to somebody mm-hmm. and say, wow, yeah, that does suck. Yeah. And if I, I was going through that, I'd be like, what the heck God, <laughs> why are we doing that? Right. And I think that that kind of, I think people assume that Christians are arrogant. And I think that we have the right to be proud in the fact that we're right. Okay. Right? As far as we're right. Correct. But arrogance isn't something that we should have going on. Yes. And so when you can talk to someone and say, I get it. That makes sense. Right? And to say, look, I get mad at God sometimes Mm. and don't understand. I'm like, what are you doing, God? I don't understand. And I think that people who are not Christians... Or also people who used to be Christians, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> used to be... Used to go to used church, to go to church yeah. right? Used to be involved with Christianity, maybe. There we go. Uh, or at least Christian Christian adjacent. <laughs> um, have that kind of thing where they never really encountered that sort of hmm. thing, right? And it's like, hey, have you read Psalms? Like, Oh, man. David's like, what are you doing to me, God? Yeah. And then he's like, I love you, God, because people are complicated. Mm-hmm. And the universe is complicated. And God is simple, but also complicated. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you're right that like it's it's it doesn't work to say to somebody who's like, well, um, my daughter got cancer and died. Why would God let that happen? Yep. Well, God has reasons for things <laughs> that you we just can't don't understand. See the whole right? picture. So I think that a lot of times, the the answer the answer is kind of always the same from us. In that our answer should be God has a plan for things. Yes. But our approach should be soft yes. sometimes. Um, I think that, what is it since the first or second Peter, dang, I should really have this stuff memorized, but <laughs> the apologetics verse that everybody yes, uses where it's always, always be prepared to yep, yeah, give a reason th- for the hope uh, that you have, the hope that is within you. Yeah. Depending on your translation. But, um, <laughs> but that like, but then at the end of that it says with gentleness mm-hmm. and respect. And it's like, that's so important. I think we forget that sometimes where it's like, we have the answer yep. and we should feel bad for people who don't. Not in like a um, condescending sort of way. No, they're just but just lost. like come on, come on, guy. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and and it's kind of that that evangelistic thing that we kind of talk. I've I've heard talked about like, like you should get as excited about the gospel as you do this new movie that you saw. Right <laughs> when you go out to your friend, you're like, hey, you should like it. Yeah. But but I also think of it as like if I saw a movie and you saw a movie and I really loved it and you didn't, my attitude shouldn't be like, well, you're wrong. It's the best movie ever. My attitude should be like, well. Here's my reasons for this, right? Here's why I like this movie. Yeah. Like, this is why it makes sense, right? And I think that when you get to that, you kind of break down the Christianity isn't logical barrier. Because mm. 
if you ex- like if you explain it, right? Jesus loves you and died on the cross for you is not a good explanation as to why God allowed your daughter to die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, okay. That's what you and I feel like we need to say these are complicated questions. Mm-hmm. And while I might believe you know there's a God and you hate him, right? I'm not I don't necessarily need to say that to you all the time, yeah. right? Yeah. I go 50/50 on the presuppositional versus uh <laughs> traditional apologetic <laughs> approach, but yeah, I think that it is hard when someone says, "What about this exact thing?" Yes. How do you deal with that? Yep. Um, and you know, when you get to the bottom of it, you realize lots of messed up stuff has happened to all of us. And absolutely, the Christians recognize that we are both the perpetrator mm-hmm. and the victim of lots of stuff. Yep. And when you look at things with that attitude, it gives you a nice balance mm-hmm. and makes you realize, okay, well. I may not have murdered somebody. And I think that's why I think that's why it's important what Jesus says, where it's like, okay, you didn't murder him, but you hated him. And those are not the oh, same man. thing, right? Those are not the same thing. <laughs> but you're still breaking the law. It's still sin- yeah. You're still sinning. Yep. And you're still doing on in the grand scheme of things, it's you're create you're <laughs> uh, committing cosmic treason. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you're asking for uh, injustice, right? You're saying this person should be dealt with in a different way than I am, yep. right? And there's a yep. difference between injustice and mercy, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're saying, I want you to receive the mercy that I've received because I don't deserve this either yep. versus saying, well, I think you should be punished and I shouldn't. And oh. and it's, a, you know, praise the Lord. We don't get what we deserve. Amen. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is the biggest strength in the church today? I would say, I don't know if this is going to be contentious or not. I think technology, when used correctly, mm-hmm. uh, can be a, an amazing strength. You can... If you look in the right places, you can find answers to yes. a lot of questions yes. um, that you have. There's, you know, an enormous supply of books on every mm-hmm. subject imaginable if you want to dive into something. Um, reaching out to um, people in need through, you know, calls, texts, organizing events. I mean, there's just being able um, to reach out to people with the push of a button. Um pastors and now online with COVID and mm-hmm. church services and, and that sort of thing. You can reach a lot of people that you didn't reach um, before, but you have to, you're very close to that line where I talked about mm-hmm. earlier of the comfort. Yeah. Um, well, it's not, a, it's not, it can be maybe supplemental, but not substitutionary. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. I, I think, like I think that's right. And I think this is probably the third week in a row I've said on the podcast that technology is like a sports car where you can drive it into a wall or you can drive it on the road. Uh, <laughs> And let it do what it can do at its best. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and really, you know, thinking about, like you're saying, these giant libraries online where you can just look up every issue. Like, but you, there's also a lot of garbage out there. Oh, man. Um, so if you have a good head on your shoulders and you have good people around you mm-hmm. who you can kind of talk to Correct. about these sorts of things and bounce ideas off and um, – but it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because if you want to, right, you can th- say, oh, what's this idea? Let me look it up. Yeah. Right? And so, okay, interesting. That kind of makes sense to me. Let me let me look into it a little bit more. Yeah. You're like, oh, historically, the churches thought that was a heresy. <laughs> okay. Why did the church think that source. was a heresy? Yeah. Right? There you go. And so then you can really get into it. So if you have a commitment to truth, mm-hmm. you can find it. Correct. And I think that's the thing, is that it takes a lot of responsibility on our part. Yes. A lot of discernment. Yes. Um. Yeah, not trying to get in uh, over your head. And if there's stuff you don't understand or mm-hmm. words you don't know, um, look them up and figure them out. Right. Don't just assume, oh, it probably means this, and so this means this. And, right. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, and I always and I I've probably mentioned this before, but like Ligonier Ministries is something like that's my first stop. Like mm. if I have a question about something, they've got like the whole backlog of Ask RC Sproul and all this stuff. Yeah, that's now awesome. that's great, mm-hmm. and I love using that. I love that's a resource. But if that was the end of my search, there we go. Yep. I think that that I would be in error. Oh yeah, and because I be, that's really I mean that's sort of kind of idolatry, really. Mm-hmm. If you're saying I'm taking this guy's word for it. Um, and it, it's it's a hard line to walk of like taking somebody's word for it, reading the Bible, allowing the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to to do his work. It's like okay, how do I get all those things together? <laughs> yeah, I think it should start with the Bible. Yes, some questions come up, you can read some answers, and then go back to the Bible and see if those answers. Yeah, if you start and end with the Bible. Yeah, I think starting with the Bible. And my mom was telling me that she something that really changed the way she reads the Bible is mm. she prays right before. Oh, that's huge. And that's like changed the way she reads the Bible because mm. it's like that allows an the earnestness. Like if you come there with that earnestness, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit has a much better shot at <laughs> get, getting through your thick skull, yes. right? Not that he needs a better shot, right? God is, <laughs> I'm getting into some heretical stuff myself. But, but just the idea that like if you approach it in that way and you read the Bible, like mm-hmm. you go straight to the text, it's much, you're much less likely to fall into the God's telling me trap. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, I just feel like God's telling me this. It's like, okay, is it in the Bible? Yeah. Right? Where do you get that from? Right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's intuition God's given us, the, sure. the truth written on our hearts. Great. Wonderful. But if you start with the text after prayer, then you end up in a place where it's like, you're not just confirming mm-hmm. what you already wanted God to tell you, right? You're allowing yourself to also listen yes. to what he has to say. It's God's word he's speaking. Yeah. You're not just trying to... Yeah, and then going to find those, you know, find a good commentary set mm-hmm. as a basis or whatever. Because I think we as Protestants necessarily, like, we're like, we don't listen to nobody, <laughs> right? Like, and it's like, no, God has given us these people. Like, Lewis, we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and I always talk about R.C. Sproul, who I disagree with on a ton of stuff, by the way. Um, but he's given us these great, like, we look at the heroes of the faith in the Bible, but there are these other heroes of the faith who have been doing some work for us. So we don't have to, like, not that we don't have to think, but that we don't have to start from scratch each time. Correct. And not everything is up to personal interpretation. <laughs> yeah, I think of, like, Isaac Newton. Like, we get to stand on their shoulders. Right. Like, the work that they did, it allows us to go off of that yeah. and to keep pushing into and to measure it against the word right yep. as long as you're measuring against the word you're in a good spot yep. because you're saying be a good uh, berean <laughs> be a good berean and look at it like i think it gives us a lot more grace for like other denominations or other people with from different faith mm. traditions because like if you look at something i keep going back to sprawl but that's because that's whose work i i sure. read a lot of um like i would disagree with him on about something like a pedo baptism right i don't think we need to baptize the babies but if you read someone you disagree with who is not like a heretic. Yes. <laughs> right? Because um, there's like that difference to like what's heretical and what's wrong. Right? You can, True. And luckily God gets to choose. <laughs> there are things we can definitely say are heresies yes. and other things that were more like, I think they're just wrong, but maybe but... that's super important. To, maybe it's super important to God. He's yeah. like, oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, but like something like infant baptism, it's like read what they wrote, hold it up against scripture, say – Okay, I can understand from scripture why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're not being biblically based. I think their interpretation's a little off. Okay. And it allows you to give a little more grace to our Christian brothers and sisters from other traditions. Yes. Because it's like, well, I don't think that's quite right, but I get it. Yeah. And, you know, with something like that, 
especially something like baptism, right? Baptism is always our secondary issue that we always point to. <laughs> but it's something for me is like that I could be wrong about. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I could be wrong about God's intention for baptism, right? Mm-hmm. For, uh, maybe the people who believe it's more like the covenant. So we should circumcise the same thing as circumcision. We should baptize. Maybe they're right. But I don't think that that means that God doesn't love the fact that I'm baptized in the way that I was baptized. I don't think that he looks, frowns upon believers' baptism. Yeah. So, um, or credo baptism to use the the (laughs) fancy term. All right. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, That it's just like this technology thing that we have is like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think back to Whitfield and it's like, if he could have seen how easy Bible translation got. I mean, not easy. It's still hard. Yeah. But like the fact that. We just have a bunch of Bibles in a bunch of different languages. Oh, yeah. Even just a bunch of different translations. Yeah, and a bunch of different English. In, yeah. That's exactly right. And I have a I have a friend who is French, uh, French Morgan, uh, who was talking about like the one of the things about reading the Bible in French and English, right? And, and like oh, the, the thing that comes with being bilingual is you can now read it in multiple translations huh. in different languages and, and that kind of thing. Oh, man. And like that, that kind of opens up other stuff too because yeah. – English is a limited language. All languages are limited. Mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, each um, co- each translation is sort of a commentary, right? Mm. Depending on their translation method and, and that kind of thing. Well, uh, let's get into the word speaking of the Bible. All right. Um, I'll be reading. It's actually marked. I already have it in there for you. Perfect. Yeah. Um, see what happens when we do it in person. I can provide <laughs> my guests with Bibles. Um, this is Romans 13. Not that part of Romans 13. Um, <laughs> this is 8 through 10. Uh, It says, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And I was thinking about that in the context of, um, people talk about the Ten Commandments a lot, and like, Mm -hmm. well, why isn't whatever bad thing in that. And, hmm. and so when you read this, it's like, it is, right? If It's yep. summed up in this one commandment. And I just think that's a really interesting uh, idea. Yeah, we're actually in our small group. We're going through the Ten, Com- Ten Commandments okay. right now. Yeah. And how they're kind of, uh, oh, transposed. Like, sure. In the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And what that and how they apply today. Um, and you think, you know, Oh, it all summed up in love. Right. But that makes it so much more complicated. Yes, it makes it way more complicated. <laughs> yes. Because it's all about the heart. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the outward mm-hmm. actions. And you can look like you're doing all these right. things. But if your heart isn't in the right place, then you are not fulfilling the law. Well, I was thinking about, I think I mentioned it last week, but uh, like when a nonprofit does something good, I'm like, great. I'm really glad that nonprofit is they're doing that thing. But they have no foundation for why they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's no I mean, they do, but they won't acknowledge what that <laughs> foundation is, right? And so when it's like, I'm doing this because I love you. And it's it's a hard it makes it more complicated too because what does love look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes love looks like, "Hey, you should repent." Yeah. <laughs> right? And the world doesn't see love that way. Mm-hmm. The world sees love as this fun thing. That's just, it's great. It's you love. And, and, and a lot of people say, you know, um, well, I like the part of, of Jesus where he talks about love. It's like, okay, that's the whole thing, first of all. But you, you don't understand what he means by love. Yeah. Because he goes to the woman who's going to be stoned. And he says, hey, he's, he's, he who's without first sin, 
this the wow he who's without sin casts the first stone and he saves this lady and yeah. then he tells her go, go and sin, sin no more yeah. and that's what love looks like huh. and that's how you know you think about like a good parent that's how they love right they don't just it's unconditional i mean <laughs> in a certain way it's unconditional yeah but in a very important way it's not mm-hmm. like the love itself is unconditional but the way it manifests itself is very conditional yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about that with my daughter, 15 months old. We are right on the cusp of the uh, breaking out the the discipline here. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really weird trying to figure out does she understand what's mm-hmm. going on? I think she does. You don't want to come down too harsh if she's not, but there's also the you want her to learn to obey and you right. want her to learn uh, to be respectful um, of adults and have you know good relationship with friends and. Um, God disciplines those he loves right. and parents discipline the children because you love them. And, um, yeah, I'm getting ready to prepare myself for, yeah, for that. Well, and I, and I think that thinking about the way Jesus talks to people is like, he doesn't talk to everybody the same way, right? Hmm. To that lady, he says, go and sin no more. Yep. To the scribes and Pharisees, he talks to them a very different way, but <laughs> he's slightly. he's telling them both to stop sinning, yeah. but he's not doing it in the same way That's because- true. And this kind of goes back to the whole seeker-friendly thing, too, where it's like, mm-hmm. at a certain point, what does discipline look like? Yeah. And what does holding somebody accountable look like? And, um, and yeah, just like, what does love, what does that mean? And yeah. it means sometimes discipline. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because like he disciplines those he loves and, and those, who, <laughs> those of us who are part of the elect predestined before the uh, foundation <laughs> of the earth uh, often are um, dealt with more handily. Mm than those who are, you know, just of the world, right? Yeah. And that seems unfair to us. But again, we really don't want what's fair because if we wanted what was fair, we would have all, you know. Anyway, uh, but but yeah, just like that that when we face consequences, mm-hmm. like that's such an act of love. Yep. And because I'm a particularly dumb person, <laughs> I have to learn. I, throughout my life, have learned things, what people would call the hard way. Oh, no, I hear you. Right? And so it's like, you know, I, I didn't do this, but it's like telling a kid, don't put the fork in the light socket is different than the kid putting the fork in the light socket yes. and dealing with the, which I think actually would probably kill you come to think of it. Oof. But anyway, you know what I'm saying is, is it's like, uh, that the consequence really teaches you mm-hmm. and then you learn perseverance and all these things. And that's what love is. And ultimately love is salvation yes, and, sir. and that sort of thing. But uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was, I had, it was a really fun conversation. Oh, it was and, an honor to be here. Thank and, you very uh, much for well, having me. It, it doesn't have to be an honor. <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>